We are going to go into 2 Peter, and I, I feel almost a little bit bad saying this. this is our last time, at least for this series. I mean, uh, you know, we'll probably preach on, preach on 2 Peter again sometime if the Lord uh, waits long enough, but this is the end of our series in 2 Peter, and it's been a ride. Uh, I hope you have been along with us as we've gone through 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and he has called us, especially in 2 Peter, to, to live forward, to live expectantly for Jesus coming back and what that looks like. And I won't cover all of that this morning, but I just want to connect. For, for those of you who were la- here last week, you remember that where he ended was that the reason, the specific reason that Jesus has not come back yet. He promised to come back. It's been 2,000 years. That's an awful long time. Why hasn't he come back? The specific reason he has not come back is because God is waiting for you. Because God is waiting for others. Do you know someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus Christ? The, the, the reason that it's, it's been a week, it's been another week, folks. It's been seven more days, and Jesus has still not come back. Do you know why? Because Frank or, or Sue or Betty, or Mary, or Joe, or whoever you know in your life who does not know Jesus Christ, because God is waiting for them. That's the specific reason that Jesus has not come back. God is still waiting. Praise God, he's still patient. He's still faithful. That person you heard about this week who is off the deep end, you can't believe they're making the choices they're making in their lives. God is waiting for them still. He's got a hand reached out, he's resting, and he could interrupt their mess anytime he wants. And in his grace, in his mercy, in his patience, he's waiting. So I hope you're not. Like, I hope you're not waiting to, like, like, that's what I asked last week, like, what are you waiting for? God is waiting on you. So what are you waiting for? I hope you haven't waited. And, and, And trusting that Many of us in this room have not waited. We've said yes to Jesus once, and we've said yes to him in that daily yes again. Maybe even this morning you got up and you said that yes to him again today. And we can think, okay, like God was waiting on me, and now I've turned, and he's, so now what? Like now I've turned, now what? Now I'm still waiting for Jesus to come back, Right? And what Peter speaks to us today is the, the, the now what. He gets really practical today, the so what. All right, this is where our world is headed. It's not there yet, but because our world is headed there, so what? And that's where he's going to go. So uh, let me just pray one more time, and then we're going to dive into God's word together, okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we thank you that you are patient We are not. I just confess this morning that I'm not a patient man. I'm not patient with other people in my life. I'm not patient with myself. And yet you, God, are patient. We could look back on our lives, look back on this world, and look back at all these moments where we think, man, if, if I were God, I would have said enough. That's it. We're done. You haven't said that yet, Lord. So Jesus, we, we come to you and we 
come expectantly because you are waiting for us to respond to you. Even today, even those of us who have responded to you a thousand times, your word still has something to teach us. We still have ways to grow. You are not done with us yet. And you haven't come back yet, so you're waiting for another turning. So, so God, I just invite you to turn us today. Turn us towards you in whatever way you would, in whatever way we need it that maybe we showed up and we don't even know. Turn us to you, God, that you may be more magnified in this place and in our lives. And God, I pray that as, as we respond and as we turn, that you might be magnified in a way that invites others to you. Do your work in us right now, Lord, as we look to you in your word. And all God's people said, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you or want to open to your devices, we are in 2 Peter chapter 3, the end of the chapter, starting in verse 10 through 18, and those verses will all also be up on the screen. So Peter says this, if I have power, there we go. All right, but the day of the Lord will come. So so Peter, remember, just got done saying, God ha- Jesus hasn't come back yet because God is patient with you. But he's not going to wait forever, okay? Here's what he says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's, here it is again, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. Isn't it neat to hear Peter talk about Paul? He's talking about other letters of scripture that were written. He says Paul in it, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Isn't that the understatement of the year, right? Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. So, Peter says to us, this God who could interrupt us at any time but is waiting, he's still waiting, but the interruption is coming. The the biggest interruption is, is coming. The day of the Lord, he calls it. 
the day of the Lord. And we don't necessarily have a framework. Uh, some of you have studied scripture in depth and you're familiar with this phrase and you've heard it before. Some of us maybe are encountering this for the first time, the day of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, the, Peter is actually pulling on a thread that weaves all the way through scripture. This day of the Lord is not something he just called up and named because he thought it was good branding. This is something that that has been talked about all throughout Scripture, and I don't have time to go to all of it today, but but just a little touch point that this day of the Lord has been spoken about by the prophets, it's been spoken about by Jesus, and this day is not just maybe one day necessarily, but it's a period of time where God intervenes in the world in a dramatic way. And direct way. Not that he's all, not already doing that. He's, he's already doing that today. If you have the eyes to see it. If you have the ears to hear it, God is intervening and interrupting in the world today, in your life today. But there is a way that he will intervene in the history of the world in a way which nobody can ignore. Even if they would want to. And they're going to want to because it's not going to be pretty. Peter calls it a, a, a day where the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements destroyed by fire. It will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. And this has been covered throughout all scripture, refers to this day as a day of wrath and judgment of God on a rebellious world. Micah 1.3 says this, Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, the water rushing down a slope. Malachi 4.1, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Isaiah 66 says this, See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people, and many will be those slain by the Lord. Joel 2 says this, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness like dawn spreading across mountains. A large and mighty army comes. Isaiah 13 says, wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day, with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners with it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. And I know this all sounds really heavy and really ominous, and it should and we hear this and we, we say, here we go. This is, the, this is the God of the Old Testament, right? Wrath and anger and judgment and all of this stuff that, that I heard about and people tried to scare me with in Sunday school. And that's not the God you talked about last week. It, it is, listen to me, it is actually the God I talked about last week too. He, he is the God of the whole Bible. And you gotta hear me when I say this. These verses that I just read, this wrath and this darkness and this judgment does not erase the God of patience that we talked about. His heart 
He's still towards the whole world. He is still the God who said in, in Ezekiel that my pleasure is not, a, I, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But my desire is that they would turn and repent. This is one and the same God. It is the God who is patient with the rebellious of this world and yet is a God of justice. And for those who do not choose Jesus Christ, for a world that continues to live in rebellion against him, if they do not choose Jesus Christ, that, that justice is not in their past, it's still in their future, and it's coming on the day of the Lord. But we who are in Christ, that, that justice has moved to our past, and Christ bore the wrath of God on the cross. The payment for all our sins on the cross. And so we need to hear this this morning, that this is the same God. And Jesus, when he came, did not just introduce a a, a new version of God, like God 2.0. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And actually, when Jesus talked about his coming back, he tapped into a lot of these Old Testament images of hail and storms and darkness and fury, and he tied them to his coming. And he said, guess what? He's coming like a thief, just like Peter says here. He's coming like a thief. Jesus says in, in, in Matthew, if I can find it, well, he says in Matthew, I, I, I'm coming. If you don't wake up, I'm coming like a thief. And just like an owner of the house would have stayed awake if he knew the thief was coming. So, so He's encouraging all of us to to stay awake. To stay awake because he's coming unexpectedly. Because he's coming in a day we don't know. And I've always connected this when Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief. In scriptures like this, the day the Lord comes like a thief. Oh, they're saying he's going to come unexpectedly. Yes. Well, yes, that's what they're saying. You don't know the time. If you're not watching for it, he's going to surprise you. But but here's the other thing it means. I I, kind of missed for a long time the... The kind of obvious truth. Jesus says he's coming like a thief. What does a thief do? Steals. He he takes things away. He takes things away that are of deep value to the owner of the house. What's what's going to be taken away on the day of the Lord? What's going to be taken away when Jesus comes? Well, apparently Peter says everything. I mean, mean, look at this. The, The big stuff. The heavens will disappear with a roar. I'd just try to fathom that. Try to imagine that. The mightiest shout, the loudest shout you've ever heard, and the heavens are gone. What do you see when the heavens are gone? I don't know. They've never been gone. Not in my lifetime. But one day they're going to be taken away. The, the, the biggest Thing you can imagine, the heavens down to the smallest atoms, the elements will be destroyed by fire, down to the molecules. Destroyed by fire. It says that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens, the elements will melt. And Peter says, right in between here, it says, since everything will be destroyed in this, everything is going to be taken away. But then he gets real practical. 
And I love this. So like, what are we supposed to do with that? Jesus is gonna show up on this day of darkness and wrath and power and, and, and there's things and he says, but you are looking forward to this, really? Are we looking forward to this day? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? If this massive destruction is coming, if Jesus is really coming like a thief, what, what should it do for us? What kind of people ought we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. And speed its coming. Here's, if I can put it in other words, here's what I think Peter wants to tell us. This world will burn. The whole world is going to burn, so put down the kindling. What is going to go when Jesus comes back? Everything is going to go. The, the, the world that you see, nature, money, our houses, everything. Sit on your front. I was sitting on my front porch last night. I just tried to imagine everything being gone. It's going to be gone. We, we like to, to talk about how this earth has been here. People talk about how this earth has been here long before I came along, right? And it'll be here long after I'm gone. That's actually not true. Do you know that? The earth is going to be gone before we are. I, I mean, you, you might physically, if Jesus waits long enough, you might physically die first. But your eternal soul continues on. And we will actually outlast the earth because the entire world's going to burn. So put down the kindling. He says, what kind of people ought you to be? Live holy lives. Do you know what holy means? Holy means set apart. Set apart. So there's the things of the world. And when he calls us to live holy lives, he's saying, live separate from these things. Live apart from these things. Why? Because they're all kindling. They're all going to go up in flames someday. So if you're putting all your energy, all your time, all your money, all your investment, all your focus on those things, it's all going to be lost. What, what does Paul say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. He, he can only say that dying is gain because he says first to live is Christ because his focus, his intention, his heart is towards that which will never go away, Christ himself. That which will never go away. And I wonder how many of us, I wonder how many times we fill our lives with kindling. that we fill our lives up with things that are just going to burn. When, G when Peter calls us to be holy and set uh, apart, do you know what, keeps, what distracts me from spending time on things of the Lord? I I'm so busy. I don't know about you. Are you busy? How many people are busy? We, get, we got busy. We got so many things in our lives. We got busyness. Like, I, I know some of you didn't raise your hands, you're busy too. Like you got full schedules, you just weren't paying attention. So wake up, pay, pay attention. God might say something. Like we got full lives. We're, we're so busy. Like I, should, I know I should be reading the Bible more, but I'm just so busy. I know I should be talking to my kids about what it means to follow Jesus, but I'm just so busy. We've got, we've got school and we've got things and we've got, I've got house stuff to do and I've got so much to do. Our lives are so busy. I wonder how much of that busyness is filled with kindling. Like if you actually take stock and evaluate where you spend your time and where you spend your money, how much of it is kindling? 
What about where we put our money? Where we, where we put our money? How, how much of it is kindling? We are just aching to get that new car or the new set of clothes or the new shoes. And it's going to wear out someday. Like, we know this. Do you remember when your old shoes were new shoes? You were so excited about those new shoes and they felt so great, but now they're old shoes and now you just can't wait for what? New shoes. Because these things are wasting away. Do you know that's, everything is like old shoes in our lives? Everything around us we see, it's, it's old shoes, it's wearing out. And we get so invested and so focused on the next pair of new shoes, but it's just a pair of shoes that's going to wear out. It's just a pair of shoes that's eventually going to burn. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Go without shoes? You're like, I know, my schedule's busy, but am I not supposed to take my kids to school? Am I not supposed to do? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying, but, but there's a different focus that we're supposed to have that I think we miss a lot. Do you know what Paul says? He says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a way to do everything in your life where you aren't focused on the kindling. You aren't focused on what's going away. You're focused on what stays. You're focused on him. You're not focused on what burns up. You're not investing and focused on all of that, but you're focused on the giver of the good gifts. Are, is your focus there? See, we, so we've got to ta- stop and take stock of our lives. So many times I think we sit there and we just think, well, I, how did I get in this place where I'm so busy and I'm so full and my time is going this way and my money's going this way and I don't know how I got here, but we stop once in a while and take stock and we say, I don't know how we got here. Did you ever do that? Like, I have, I have no idea how I got to this place, but it is messed up. It's like, do you remember those Wile E. Coyote cartoons, right? And he's going after the roadrunner all the time and he never catches him. But he's going after the roadrunner all the time. And, everyone, and you can see the craziness build as Wile E. Coyote goes after these things all the time. And the craziness builds and the craziness builds. And you're like, dude, you got to stop. You're never going to catch him. Just go after like a rabbit or something that's easier to catch. But he doesn't. He keeps going after that thing that's hard to catch. And then every once in a while, do you know those moments? Every once in a while, Wile E. Coyote stops and he takes stock of where he is. And it's usually when he's been running really fast and he stops and he looks down and he's off the cliff edge already, right? And it's usually like he, he runs and he ends up in this dark place. And so what does he do? He wants to see where he is. And so he lights a match. And you know what happens the next moment? Boom. It's all going to go up. And you're like, buddy, why didn't you stop earlier and take stock of where you're at? Take, take talk of what you're chasing and that you are never going to catch it. Listen, folks, do, we need to s- take stock. Stop this morning. If you have not stopped all this week because you've been so busy, if you say, I've been, I've been too busy to think about Jesus and think about where my life is headed and think about where my time is invested and my money is invested, I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you to stop listening to every other word I say after this. Tune me out and sit with Jesus for this next moment. For the rest of our time here, sit with Jesus and take stock of your life and look around. Because I think what Peter is saying is that at some point, people are going to wait till far too late and they're going to take stock of where they're at and what they put their lives into and it's all going to go up in flames. It's all going to go up in flames and so it's funny when it's Wile E. Coyote. It's not so funny if we wait too long. And if we look around at what we've built and what we've poured our lives into and realize that it's all things that are going to burn. 
And it doesn't mean you don't go out and live your life and got to do all those details and all the schedule and everything. Like, yes, there's things that we need to do. It's just we do them in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the one who will not burn. This is, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is everything you're doing with your life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? That's a really big question. That's like, I, I got to take some time and think about that. You can't answer off the cuff. If you, if you just had an answer off the cuff, yes or no or whatever, I would invite you to stop and take longer to answer because you can't answer this right away. But, but too often we don't stop at all to examine where we are. And we need to stop before we're off the edge of the cliff, before we light the match and take stock of where we are. Are we building on the foundation which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, if you're building with all this stuff, Paul says, he says each one's work will become manifest. It's, it's, it's going to show for what it is. For the day, what day? The day of the Lord. Same day that Peter's talking about. The day of the Lord will disclose it. It's going to reveal it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So listen, folks, like I, I, hear me when I say we're not talking about eternal security right here. Like that's a conversation we already had last week and I already invited you to this week. Take stock of your life right now. I invite you, if your life is not, if you never said yes to Jesus Christ, say yes to him, right? Because God is waiting for that. So what are you waiting for? But when we come to this conversation, we as Christ followers who have said yes can still invest our lives in things that are all gonna burn. We can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but then we can build a bunch of stuff that isn't gonna last. Do you know what's gonna last him? Do you know what's going to last in your life? Others? Other people? So we go after success in Jesus' name, but we bury other people in the midst of it. But we run them over. That's not what the Lord is calling us to. The Lord is calling us to do all in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that will last when everything else goes away. So are we serving, are we living in his name? Here's one other place we got to go. You know what Peter said? He said in these verses that everything will be destroyed in this way. He says you ought to live holy and godly lives, right? So set apart from these things as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Oh, and what it, what it said was the elements will be destroyed by fire. And this is what he says. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So we're not just talking about physical stuff here. This fire that is going to consume the physical, it's also a fire that purifies. It's also a fire that exposes. Just like Paul said, it's going to expose what was built on the foundation. It's going to test it, whether it's lasting or not. Peter says this fire is going to lay the earth bare, and everything underneath is going to be exposed. Think about that. Everything done in the earth, that includes everything you've done. Everything I've done will be exposed for what it is. So do you know how many times I do good stuff with mixed motives? 
I mean, I do the thing I should do, but I do it with mixed motives. I do it so that you guys will think I'm great. I do it so that my wife will stop nagging me. She doesn't nag. I'm just kidding. But you don't nag, honey. I've got to, I've got to talk to her after this. Like a, How many things do we do in our lives with mixed motives? And from the outside, everybody can look and say, man, you are doing so much for Jesus. There's times I've been able to look at my life and I can you know, from the outside, it might look like that. I'm doing so much for Jesus, but I'm just doing something so that somebody will like me. Do you know one day all of our motives are going to be exposed? All of our mixed motivations that scare you a little bit? Now listen, you're secure in Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, you're secure. There's no shame, no guilt. It's just a wake-up call, just an invitation to say, God, purify me. Like, let me take stock of where I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So even if my schedule and my, where I spend my money and where I spend my time and how I invest in other people, even if all of those things look shiny and bright and Jesus-centered on the outside, on the inside, where's my heart? Because Jesus said about some people, some Pharisees, that they talk about the word of God, but their hearts are far from me. You know, it's possible to follow the laws of God and yet have your heart be far from him. It's possible for your life to look on the outside like it shapes up with this, but for your heart to be far from him. So let's take stock this morning where our hearts are. One day it's all going to be exposed. And yes, the grace of Jesus Christ will cover it all. His blood covers your mixed motivations too. Praise God. His blood covers my divided heart too. And yet... And yet, I want them to do the work now. I don't want to wait till then to examine. I don't want to wait till then to be exposed. Like Jesus, expose it now so that I can look more like you. So I know this sounds heavy. This day of the Lord, it's, it's heaviness. So why does Peter say that we are going to look forward to it? Because it's not just darkness and burning and fire and judgment. That's not the only part of the day of the Lord. It says this, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Think about that. Righteousness. Where everything's made right. I want you to think about your life right now. Think about this world right now. And think about everything that is wrong with it. There is a lot of stuff wrong with the world right now. Amen? There's a ton wrong with the world. Do you know there is coming a world where that won't be true? Where everything, absolutely everything, will be made right. I love this. Peter calls it where righteousness dwells. That word righteousness, you know what it means? It means uh, approved of by God. Where God can once again look at a world and say it, all of it, every bit of it is very, very good. He was able to do that one time. Do you know that? 
He was able to do that. Back in Genesis 1, he looked at the world and said, it is very good. And then we messed it up. We screwed it up. It was very good when we were in an unhindered relationship with him. And we walked away from that unhindered relationship and we threw up the obstacles of our own will. And there is a world that will be righteous, approved of in God's sight that God says, it is very good again. You know, you know what the word righteous means when you apply it to people? When you apply it to us? This is one of the meanings I found, and I, love, I think I've said this before, but I love this meaning. It's the state of him who is as he ought to be. Think about that. The state of him who is as he ought to be. Do you know there is a way that God intended you for you to be? Do you know that the new heaven, the new earth that we are waiting for, that we are looking forward to. When you get there, you will be fully and completely the way you ought to be. Oh, thank God it's coming sometime. Because I look at my life, right? We can stop and examine like Wiley Coyote off the edge of the cliff. And I know that sounded really heavy when, when, I, when I just said we got to examine our lives for all our mixed motives and everything. But a lot of times then we can focus on that and we can guilt ourselves. Like I should be further along. One day you will be, praise God. One day the grace of God is going to call us home to a new heaven and a new earth where we and everything else are the way we ought to be. So, so what? So dear friends. So dear friends. Since you are looking forward to this, since one day you and I who are in Jesus Christ, we will be as we were always intended to be. Since that, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Every effort. And, and, and here's what I think he's saying. You, you are heading for this new world, this righteous world, so live like you're already there. Live like you're there already. One day... Your life, your pers- you will be as you were always intended to be. So listen, let's join God in his purpose. One day he's going to remake the world and remake us like that. Let's join God in his purpose and get as far as we can right now. Like, like it's his grace, his spirit, his work that he started in us. And it says, the, the word says that he will one day bring that work to completion. He, will con- he who started a good work in you. He who started a good work in me is faithful to complete the work. In fact, he's in process right now. He's in process right now. So let's join him in that. Let's, let's get as far as we can. Let's not wait. Let me, let me get as far as we Like we have no idea what we're going to look like. That's what John says. Beloved, can, can you believe this? Like it's going to astound you. You and I, if you are in Jesus Christ, we, we are children of God. Sons and daughters of the living God. That is who we are right now. That is who you are. Can you believe it? But listen, it has not been revealed yet what we shall be. That's what John says. One day, like if, if you knew, it would blow your mind what you're going to look like one day. Inside, outside, all of it, as you always ought to be. It's going to blow your mind. It hasn't been revealed yet. But like, so I don't know how far that's, you wouldn't believe it. If Jesus told us right now how far he's going to take us, what our lives are actually going to look like. But, but let's get as far as we can right now. Like I, I can imagine getting a little further, can't you? Like, so let's, let's partner with him. Let's get a, a little further right now. 
Peter says, do this as you are looking for, you're heading somewhere else. Listen, your home is somewhere else. Get excited about it and live like you're already there. So, so this, whole, this whole series we've called Living Forward, right? Living Forward, live expectantly. Jesus, uh, Peter says, since you are looking forward to these things, how should you live? Dude, think about those times when you live expectantly for things. When you know something good is coming, and, and how do you live in light of that goodness? When you've got vacation coming, how do you live? You are counting down the days, right? Like, like it, is, it is six months, three weeks, two days, and 17 hours till we go to the beach, right? Hopefully it's not that far because that would be winter. So, but, but maybe that's a good time to go to the beach for you. But like whatever it is, you've got vacation plans this summer you're looking forward to, right? You're counting the days, you're packing already, you're planning, you're scheduling what you're going to do when you're going to get there. You're telling other people about it. That's what we do when we're excited about things. My family was excited about something, you know? They were excited. We were excited because uh, we were selling our home. And so we sold our house and we were all excited. We were going to new house, but that new house fell through. So back, we sold our home back in 2020. We sold our house and we had to move, we had to move into a rental. Okay, so the first one we look, were looking forward to didn't work out. But listen, we were telling everybody we're going to move somewhere. We are looking forward to our new home. I, I talked to the landlord, and I argued him down. I didn't argue him, but I, but I talked him down. I said, I know you want me to sign a year lease, sign six months. Can we sign six months? Because we're looking for a new home. we got a new home coming, right? And so we signed it. He said, sure, sign the six-month lease, and then we'll go month to month. And two and a half years later, we still hadn't found a home. Nearly three years later, we're still in the rental. Do you know what happened over the course of those three years? We stopped talking about it. Like we started unpacking more and more. We started in the rental plate. We started hanging stuff on the walls, decorated for Christmas, pulled stuff out of storage, put it back in storage. Eventually, that place, that rental was like, we kind of started to forget that this, this wasn't our home. Like, we just started to live in it. Because that's what happens. You just live where you're at, right? We live where we're at. We forget we have a, a, a new home somewhere else. Do you know what? By the grace of God, a couple months ago, we found a home. Praise God. We, we found a home. And I was like, that's, that's incredible that God would do this. We didn't know if it was ever going to happen. I thought it was going to be in that rental for ages. So much so that by the time we, we put an offer in on the home, right, and my kids are all excited, my wife's all excited, me, I'm not excited because we put the offer in, been here before. You know how you, you sometimes, I, I told this to some other people, you know how you put your eggs all in one basket sometimes? I put no eggs in this basket. Put the offer in. Yep, sure, that's fine. They'll sign the contract. Yep, initial, initial, initial. Yep, right, here's our offer. It's not going to happen. And then it did. <laughs> and then it did. I mean, if you had asked me, I would have thought, yes, we have a new home coming sometime. But oh, no, it's coming. Do you know what we had to do then? We had to check back at the contract we signed. What did we sign? 30, day clo 30 days. Okay. 30-day closing is what we said. All right, let's get going, right? You think I got, I got my butt in gear, right? Like, I, I was living in this home like this was my home, but then I got in gear, right? Because all of a sudden, there's a lot to do for 30 days. Do you know what happened then? Is a week later, we get a call on a Monday, and it was my real estate agent. Because of some stuff happening with the sellers, they said, uh, he said, they want you to know, they want to know if you can close on Friday. Friday. Okay, I had no idea this was coming up this fast. But all of a sudden, we were like putting off packing and stuff because we were so busy, right? We had all this stuff to do. So we just... We just Got a life, life needs to be taken care of, and we're just living in this home. But then all of a sudden, it came up. It came unexpected. We didn't know it was going to come so soon, but it did. And, and now we've got to get moving. 
Do you know what happened over that time? I was super focused. I was super focused because there, like, I didn't have time to be distracted about anything. Because like, I, had, I, had to, I had to call about utilities. I had to make sure the mortgage lady had everything she needed. I had to make sure every, all my I's were dotted, my T's were crossed, everything. I, I, I didn't want anybody to find a reason with me, an obstacle to make this thing fall through or to have this thing delay. Because this is coming sooner than I expected and I didn't want any obstacle up from it uh, to come in between it. So I was living super focused. You know what happened? I noticed things I didn't notice before. You know, we walked in our, we've lived in that rental for two and a half, almost three years. And I walked in one day and it was like uh, two weeks before we we're going to move. I walked in one day and there was this black spot on the carpet. And I'm like, you know, we got to get rid of that. And I was far more intense than I should have been. But I was, far, <laughs> I was far more intense than I would have been over the last two and a half years. Do you know why? Because the, 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 the landlord's going to look at this, and I've got a security deposit that I may or may not get back. We've got to get that out of the rug. See, see, all along, it wouldn't have mattered that much. We'll take care of it sometime. Do you know, as we started to move our stuff out, I couldn't believe how dinged up the walls were, how, how much we had lived in this space. I mean, we kept, kept it pretty clean until I looked, and I was like, well, there's... there's there's a lot of living that we've done in this place. And the landlord's going to walk through here. I, I, I want him to find it the best possible. We have a good relationship with our landlord, right? He was, he was great to us. But like, in any case, like, I want him to walk through here, and I want that security deposit back, all of it, you know, right? I have motivation now to keep this thing clean. And it doesn't mean I don't have a new home. It doesn't mean I'm going to lose that home. It just means I've got motivation now to keep it clean. Like, do you see the connection, Right? Like, you've got a new home. And, and even though this isn't your home, like, can we, can we walk through this with holy and blameless and set-apart lives? Can we live like we're already there? Do you know what I had to do? I had to, before I actually owned the home, I had to call about utilities, and I had to get everything set up as if I was already the homeowner so that then when that day came, I could just walk in and I was already the homeowner. I could just walk in to sign the papers, and before I signed the papers, I had already called and talked to the electric company and the water company and all that stuff. I had gotten everything set up. Listen, are you acting like you have a new home? Your home is not here. That doesn't mean just put down the kindling. It means grab on to everything that God has for us in, new our, in our new home. The righteousness, the way he intends our lives to be, we can grab hold of that now. Means we can stop right now. We don't have to wait for the day of the Lord. We can stop right now and take an examination of where our lives are at. Do I need to put down kindling? I can take an examination of where my life is at. Is there a way that I, I need to live like this isn't my home anymore? Like I'm destined for there? Like Jesus is actually gonna actually gonna finish the work he started in us, and I don't need to stay, I don't need to just, just pretend I'm gonna it's always gonna be this way. Because sometimes I, I look at my life and I think, well, I'm stuck in this area of my life. This sin that's still going on, this mess, this spot, I'm still stuck. I guess it's just going to be this way until Jesus comes back. And he invites us, no, like, I, I'm going to take care of that one day, so live like I already have. Live like I already have. What would you do if Jesus had already taken care of that sin? Imagine that. That sin that you keep running back to, that spot on your carpet, Jesus' blood covers it, right? It's not going to keep you out of heaven. But what would you do if it was already taken away? Well, I'd, I'd probably be more honest about my inner life with other people around me. I, I wouldn't be afraid anymore of telling people that I still struggle in this way and this way. I'd bring it to the light immediately instead of trying to hide who I really am. 
Like, is there, is there a way you need to bring your true self to those people around you? Like, God put people in your life that you can be honest with. If, if he didn't, like, come up for prayer. Be honest with me. Be honest with another prayer partner here. Join a, join a house church. Join community. Join women's ministry. Guys, you can't. Guys, join men's ministry. Like, get in community with other believers and find, like, that one day when you live as you ought to be, and everybody, get this, everybody else will be as they ought to be too. That community is going to be gorgeous. Community right now, it's a little messy. But let's live like we're already there. In spite of some of the messes we make of it, there's grace to come. Like, let's live like we're already there. And when we experience the messes, let's forgive like we're already people who are forgiven because we are. Let's live like we're already who we ought to be. All right, so Peter, Peter goes on. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. And, and we don't have time to stop here, but I just want to highlight, like people look at Scripture and they say, well, like there, were all, there was all this infighting among the apostles, right? And you, you see, you can read Acts, and Peter and Paul were against each other at different times. Paul had to call Peter out on stuff. There were ways they did not get along. It was messy community, amen? But look at Peter now. Like, <laughs> Like, these are some of the last words he's ever going to write to his church. Like, and he could throw in a dig. He could say, Paul, like, you know, Paul, I mean, I've had trouble. I know some of you all out there have had trouble with him. He doesn't. He just says, our, bro- our dear brother, our dear brother Paul. Man, I love that guy. He, he wrote some of the same, with the wisdom God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. You know those people shouting down scripture? The problem is not in the word, the problem is in them. There is an instability in them. There is an ignorance, they just don't know. It doesn't mean hate them. It means they don't know, don't follow them. It just means don't trust them, don't believe it. Go back to the word of God. Here's which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. See, see, some people look at scripture and say, well, these guys, they were writing letters to their churches. They didn't actually believe that this was the word of God. Like we look back at it now and say it's the word of God. These guys didn't believe that. No, it's, it says right here. You hear what Peter's doing? He's saying those letters Paul wrote, they're just like people do to them what they do to the other scriptures, these scriptures too. They... They somehow knew this, this was God's holy word that they were somehow participating and communicating to the world. But ignorant and unstable people distort them to their own destruction. Here's the thing. There, there are a lot of places that we can go to hear the word of God and that is a beautiful thing, right? Like more than any other generation, we can go on our phones and bring up speakers on YouTube Listen to podcasts. You can come here every Sunday. You can, do, you can do all sorts of places to hear the word of God. But here's what we've got to be cautious of. We've got to test it. We've got to test that it's the word of God. Because if not, we're in danger that we would be following people who are somehow they just don't know. I'm not questioning their hearts. I'm just saying they don't, they don't know. There's things I don't know. Do you test what I say against the word of God? You should. You should. 
Do you know what the Berean, it, it talks about Paul going to preach to the, this area called Berea. And you know what it says they did? It says they listened intently and eagerly to Paul every single day. And then you know what they did? They went and checked scripture. They checked the Bible. They fact-checked him to see if what he said was true. You know, if there's anybody you don't need to fact-check, wouldn't it be Paul? Like, I mean, come on, like this guy, we can take his word for it. It's Paul. They're, they're, like, we don't need to fact-check him. No. No, so just because somebody's quoting scripture, do you, do you fact-check them? Do you take what it, will you take what I say today and actually read the word of God for yourself? Because, because sometimes we, we have the ability today, we've, t- we've talked about this before. Pastor Jeff has talked about this, pre-chewed food, right? What you're getting today from me, I'm sorry, it's a little disgusting, right? But it's pre-chewed food. Like I've sat with the word of God and I've chewed on it a while and I've thought about it a while and I've meditated on it a while. And what you're hearing is what's come out of that time. And I'm not saying it's all gospel truth 100%. There might be something I worded wrong. There might be something, my heart's not there, but there might be something that is, that is a slight misdirection that's a few degrees off. Check it, maybe more than a few, I don't know. But, but do you take what is spoken about the word of God and check it against the word of God? Are you chewing your food for yourself? That's what he's calling us to do because if we don't, we're at risk of being these people who just don't know. Like I hear this and it sounds good and it sounds like what other things that I've heard of gospel truth and even if it's, it might be two or 10 or 15 degrees off and we don't know because we're ignorant or, or maybe we're unstable and, and we're trusting this guy who's trusting this guy who's trusting this guy who heard it from this guy who, who read it in scripture. And, and maybe it's four times removed and maybe we need to get a little bit closer connection to scripture itself. So folks, can we chew our own food? I encourage you today, take back everything I've said. Take back anything any pastor has said here. Check it against the word. Then come tell us if we got it wrong so that we can be better because we all need to grow. But are we checking? Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, you've been warned about this, like he's been warning us about these false teachers. He says, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Here's the last words of Peter before he goes, the last known words that we have before he goes and gives his life for the gospel, is killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. He says, be on your guard. Against what? Against, against what he's just been talking about. Against being unstable or ignorant and being, being drawn away. Because he said, look at the three positions he talks about. He says, right now, you're in a secure position. I don't want you to fall from that. You are what? Standing firm. That's what he talked about last letter. Because the, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. So stand, resist him, and stand firm in your faith. Stand firm. That's what I see you doing, Peter says. I see you standing firm. Now, now just, just watch out. I've warned you because you could be carried away. Even as you think you're standing firm, you could be carried away if you trust things that are not Scripture. If you are drawn away from the true gospel into a false gospel, into words that sound good but aren't truth, you could be drawn and carried away. So, so don't, but, but there's another option. You know what the other option is? But grow. The other option to being carried away, you are standing firm right now. Don't be carried away. Okay, I don't want to be carried away. So what's the other option? Grow. Keep 
growing. Have you grown in Christ? Amen. Keep growing. Are you keeping growing? See, see we think of, about our lives, our relationship with Jesus Christ. We think we'll get to this place where it's just been enough. Like it's just enough and we can like kind of coast, right? I, I think about this in my relationship with my wife. When we, when we first got married, I kind of figured, well, like I know this woman inside and out. And we got married and we were coming back from our honeymoon and I was thinking, man, like what now? Like I know everything there is to know about her. I, I, and, and now it's just, I guess, just doing life together. You know what I've found out over the last 15, 16 years? I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I, I had a whole lot more to learn. You know what I learned? <laughs> She's more amazing than I thought. She's more amazing than I knew. She's more beautiful to me than she was the day we got married. There's so much more to learn. I mean, I, thought, I would have told you that, that she was a good woman. Oh, but I didn't know the prize she was. And yeah, Jesus is working out some stuff in her. Don't get me wrong. She's not there yet. <laughs> She's maybe a little closer than I am. She's not there yet. Oh, but there's so much more to learn. Do you know Jesus is like that? There's so much more to learn. Like we think we just we we get, think we'll get to this place where there's just enough. Like we just know Jesus, and now we're just going through life with him. And I know everything I need to know, and I can I can teach you the gospel, and I can go down the Romans road, and that's a, that's all I need to know. Well, we need to check all of that and make sure we know what we think we know, right? But then there is so much more to know. There's so much more. Do you know there's so much more of Jesus to know than you know right now? Are you chasing? Are you growing? Are you living forward into that? Because ultimately, I think this is, what, this is what Peter's saying here. Standing firm. You want to stand firm like he said in 1 Peter? Standing firm means always living forward. Never, ever, 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 ever stop growing in him. This is what Charles Spurgeon said this. In order that they might know how to stand and to be preserved from falling, Peter gave them this, instruction, this direction. Grow in grace. For the way to stand is to grow. The way to be steadfast is to go forward. There is no standing except by progression. No standing except by progression. So he says, grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. What do you know about Jesus that you didn't know yesterday? It's okay if you can't list it out. You got today. He's still waiting. He hasn't come back yet. Go find out something about Jesus that you didn't know yesterday. Grow in knowledge and grace of him. Grow in knowledge and grace. Wouldn't it be crazy if I just, you know, I know there's no, more to know about my wife than I know right now. Wouldn't it be crazy if the way I went about that was going to all of her friends and saying, tell me about Rach. Tell me what you know about Rach. Can, can you tell me what she likes and what she doesn't like? Tell me how she's doing. How's her emotional life right now? How's her in and outs? And I, like if I kept doing that again and again and again and again, wouldn't you say it like, somebody would stop me. Hopefully, ladies, one of, one of her friends would stop me and say like, just go to her. Go, go talk to her. You're in relationship with her. Just go. Folks, I wonder how many, like, how many times don't we go? Don't we go? We're waiting for the next podcast. We're waiting for the next Sunday. We're waiting for the next Bible study. We're waiting for the next person to tell us something more about Jesus that we didn't know. But just go. We're waiting for tomorrow's quiet time. Listen, just go. 
When, when you're on your drive home, you can go to the, to the very throne room of heaven and get to know more about him. Like, and this isn't like rocket science. I know you're thinking this is the application to read my Bible more and get in the presence of Jesus. Yes, that's all I got. I'm a pastor. All I do is say the same thing over again and try to say it a different way, right? And take a really long time to say it. No, we do more than that, hopefully. But are you going? Like, there's so many times we don't go. Uh, like, I learned more about my wife in the last 16 years, not by going on vacation with her and going to our honeymoon, but, but just by going through everyday life with her. Just through the mess everyday life and changing diapers on the kids and, and trying to pay bills and being frustrated with it when somebody didn't do what we expected and wondering if we're ever going to get a house and wondering all, like, just the stuff of everyday life that is so mundane. But we did it together. Do you know the beautiful thing about Jesus is this is so simple. Like, you don't have to go across the world to get to know him better. You just got to go do life with him. Do life with him. Your life with him is not on hold until your quiet time tomorrow. It's not on hold until I stop talking and you get a minute's peace without my voice in yours. It's not on hold until your next podcast. It is happening right now in this moment. Are you with him? Because he is with you. Peter said at the very beginning of this, you know what he said? Jesus is coming one day as a thief. He's coming to take everything you see. It's going to be taken away. This is, this is words that Jesus shares. In Revelation 3, he's talking to some churches, and he shares this. He, he says, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Does that sound familiar? Repent. Turn. He's waiting for you. Turn. He says, But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I come for you. You're never going to expect it. I'm going to show up and you're never going to be looking for it. And I'm coming as a thief because what you value when you're distracted and when you didn't know I was coming, what's catching your eye, it's going to be taken away. Do you know there's another option to Jesus coming as a thief? He gives it a little later in Revelation 3. He's talking to a different church and he says, to whom, though, to whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest. Make every effort. Be diligent. Be earnest and repent. There it is again. Turn. It's just a turn again. Turn. Put down the kindling. Turn. Live like you're already there. Live like your home is somewhere else and you're there already. Turn. Here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you know the alternative to Jesus coming as a thief later on, someday? The alternative is to open the door right now and let him in as a guest to, to every messy part of your life. Not the living room, not the, not the place where you, you pretty everything up to show off because that's where guests show up. Invite him into the kitchen, into the eat-in kitchen in the dining room where there's pots and pans in the sink and he sees all the mess because he's going to sit down and you know what? He's, he's going to sit down there and he's going to eat with you. And you're going to eat with him. And you're going to tell him about everything that's going on in your life. Just right now, just the everyday mundane little stuff. You're going to do life with him. And he is going to do life with you. 
Are you doing life with him? Richard Foster says this. He says, all of life, all of scripture, all of life is this one call of God. I am with you. Will you be with me? Are you inviting Jesus to be with you? Are you living forward expectantly? Not just that you will be with him one day. Not just that he will be with you one day. But that he, you are his. And he, he is yours right now. This is what we live forward to. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your invitation. <laughs> to always walk with you through the everyday stuff of life. God, I confess there are so many times I, I segment my life. I section it off. And I've got the areas that I give you access to and I've got the areas I pray about and I've got the areas I talk to others about in my life and I've just got the everyday stuff. It's so mundane. It's so little. It's just this interaction here and this thought pattern here. And it's the little everyday stuff that passes so quickly, I, I hardly notice it. And yet when I stop to look at those places in my life, when I stop to look at that little thought pattern that keeps coming back, I realize it, it doesn't belong. Like one day when I am as I ought to be, when you make me that, Lord, that's going to be gone. So Lord, I want it gone now. Jesus, one day we are going to see you face to face. We're going to experience all of life, moment to moment, every moment with you. Every moment. God, we want it to start now. So Lord, I, I just pray over every heart and mind in this place a greater awareness of your presence. Your immediate presence right here, right now. And every moment in our lives, Lord, I thank you for the ways that so many of us have said yes to you. You have knocked and we've opened that door and we've invited you into our lives and said, have your way. Man, there's another closet I got to open. There's another place I got to go. There's another place you want access to in my life, Lord. You say we got some work to do here. So Lord, have your way again. I invite you into that place. We invite you into that place in our lives. Because we want to be a people who are sold out for you, whose lives are centered on you, who are looking forward, not content with where we're staying, who don't forget that this isn't our home, but who are constantly looking forward to the home we have coming in you. Lord, I thank you that that is a guarantee. Lord, we ask that you would make us more aware. Wake us up to the reality of the new home we'll have one day in you. God, by your grace, let us live. Let us live like we're already there. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. May you be magnified in our lives. Amen. Grace family, would you stand and let's worship together.